You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 485 of the podcast. It is Week America, the Outdoor Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday. January 26th, 2021, people. My goodness, do we have a loaded episode of the Aerotora Sports Podcast for you today. So much to discuss, so much to break down, so much to get into, starting with. It appears as though Louisville basketball will have a new head coach soon. The report's coming out via my friend Nick Coffey that Louisville will uh, basically get rid of Chris Mack within the next 24 hours, later confirmed by Seth Davis, later confirmed by John Rothstein. We'll break all of that down. We will talk about some of the actual on-the-court stuff that happened in college basketball on Tuesday night. From there, we will talk a little college football, the latest in the saga of as Caleb Williams turns to new reports on Caleb Williams, what to believe, what not, where I think he'll end up, and we will wrap with America's favorite segment, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. My goodness, the news never stops. And so with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. The topic of the day, it comes from Louisville, Kentucky. It comes from the KFC Yum Center, and it comes from my old buddy Nick Coffey, where it appears as though Nick was the first one to kind of sniff out that the Chris Mack era is about to be done at Louisville. And this is something that we've talked about over the last few weeks. I'm going to get into all the details, but I want to give you a quick timeline of what happened on Tuesday and then kind of give you the context behind it. But Nick Coffey is the first one that I saw any kind of real rumblings as it pertained to Chris Mack. He said that this was as of about probably about 5, 5.30 Eastern time that the University of Louisville had called a joint meeting for tomorrow, basically on Wednesday, the day that you're listening to this show, 4 p.m. between the Board of Trustees and the Louisville Athletic Association. The meeting will address, quote unquote, pending litigation and personal matters. Chris Mack's coaching show is canceled and then after that shortly thereafter I had actually already recorded a segment but that's neither here nor there Seth Davis puts out a report that Chris Mack and Louisville are finalizing a separation John Rothstein puts out a report that it is going to be official and that an assistant coach will take over as an interim head coach 
And so while I record here late, late, late on Tuesday night, nothing is official and nothing may be official by the time you listen to this. But when three guys, two national reporters, Nick Coffey and everybody else in the national media seems to know it's coming, myself included, it becomes official. So first of all, the question becomes, how did it get so bad so fast? And what the heck does Louisville do from here? And I'll tell you this, Louisville has all sorts of just complications to say the least, on what could potentially happen with this basketball program going forward. So let's get into it, let's break it down, and listen, hate to brag, but as always, I was kind of ahead on this story, wasn't I? I started talking about the Chris Mack stuff probably about three weeks ago. If you remember, Louisville loses to Pitt on a Saturday. Pitt, of course, was absolutely a complete disaster. They still are. And if you looked at kind of the Ken Palm advanced analytics in college basketball, this went down as quite literally one of the worst losses in recent Louisville basketball history. Pitt, as I record here, is 7-12 two and six in the ACC. Louisville lost to them. That was two and a half weeks ago. Here's the problem. Since then, Louisville has played three games and they've lost two of those as well. They lost on Saturday to Notre Dame by double digits at home. And then they lost on Monday night at Virginia. Virginia not playing very well to fall to 11 and nine on the season. Overall, they are 5-5 five and five in the ACC, and that is what expedited this process. Now, in terms of the bigger picture with Chris Mack, because I'm sure some of you are asking, what went wrong? How did it get so bad so fast? If you just look at his win-loss record, it's not terrible, but I do think some context matters. First of all, to Chris Mack, to, to, to all, listen, on a day like today, it's easy to tear him down and talk about how much of a failure he was. The guy really wasn't that terrible for about the first two years or so, okay? If you remember year one, he takes over a program. Rick Pitino had been fired the previous year. David Padgett had been an interim head coach, and he takes Louisville to the NCAA tournament in year one uh, where they lose, ironically, in the first round to Minnesota, which at the time was coached by Richard Pitino. Not the result Louisville fans were looking for, but at the end of the day, could have been a lot worse, right? Year two, he is really successful. They go 15-5 and five in the ACC. That was, by the way, to date, still the best record that Louisville has ever had in the ACC since they joined better than any season with Rick Pitino. But you have that season, and the problem for Chris Mack becomes this. That was the year the NCAA tournament was canceled. So the best team that he had, which admittedly was full mostly with, with Rick Pitino players, ultimately ended up not having a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. And then from here, this is where it gets dicey. First, you have the public pushback with John Calipari, which turned, obviously, look, Louisville fans loved it, but obviously, when when he he pushed back on John Calipari during COVID, you better win. He does beat Kentucky last year, but Louisville still misses the NCAA tournament. They finished 13 and 17. In his defense, I kind of believe that if they had not had two separate COVID pauses, he probably would have made the NCAA tournament, but they missed the NCAA tournament. They have the Dino Gaudio situation, which leads to very minor NCAA rules violations. And listen, to be clear, I'm not going to sit here and say that, that Chris Mack is an egregious NCAA rules breaker, but at a school where there have been issues with the NCAA, you had to be spotless. He had two minor NCAA violations, which Dino Gaudio brought to light. Chris Mack, of course, recorded Dino Gaudio. There was an extortion situation there. And then you just play this season, and you're 11-9 here at the end of January. But here's the thing with Chris Mack. The problem with Chris Mack, and this is what I talked about about three weeks ago, it's not only that he was 11-9 this year. 
it's not only that he missed the NCAA tournament this past season, but to me, the problem with Chris Mack was pretty straightforward. If you kept Chris Mack, it was hard to see the vision where things get turned around. And the parallel that I have used on Chris Mack a few times over the last couple months, and specifically about two weeks ago when I talked about him, it reminds me a lot of the Dan Mullen situation at Florida, where if you looked at Dan Mullen's, the totality of what he did, what was it, 10 wins the first season, 11 wins the second season, SEC championship in year three. The problem with Dan Mullen was things were clearly going in the wrong direction, finished out the season really poorly in 2020, was a disaster in 2021, and there was really nothing going forward that was going to sell Florida fans that Dan Mullen was the right guy going forward. And so I bring it up because as it pertains to Chris Mack, that was kind of the problem for Chris Mack. It's one thing if you're having a really bad year, but you got a great recruiting class, or you got this, or you got that. The problem with Chris Mack was there was nothing to sell going forward. First of all, his high school recruiting has largely been a dud. His first year, he signed a class that at one point was ranked number one in the country. It ends up being right around a top 10 class when it's all said and done, and none of those guys really worked out. They signed six guys. Three of them have transferred with basically minimum impact on the program. David Johnson leaves after a great freshman year but a bad sophomore year, and then you have two players currently in the program that haven't developed the way that you would hope. So the high school recruiting didn't go well. Then from there, you have last offseason where he fires two assistant coaches or two assistant coaches leave. Luke Murray is now at UConn. Dino Gaudio, I just discussed the extortion deal. And so you have a situation where you have shaken up your coaching staff last offseason. Then you go after a season where you miss the NCAA tournament into the transfer portal. You say, well, we'll fix it through the portal. Just what probably you're 11 and 9 and 5 and 5 in the ACC. And so because of it, I don't know what Chris Mack could have sold if he wanted to come back next season, and it feels as though for all intents and purposes that he not only is not coming back, but that he was actually the one that initiated the conversations. Nick Coffey later put out a tweet basically confirming that, hey, you know what, uh, basically what he said was is that Mack was the one that initiated the conversations, and now it's about kind of the buyout and this and that. Here's the actual tweet from Nick Coffey. Reports of Chris Mack and UofL parting ways seem to be correct. I believe he initiated this and not the other way around. It will become official after tomorrow's board meeting. And so I bring it all up to just very simply say, if you're Chris Mack, even if you wanted to come back, what was the sales pitch? You can't say that, you know, I'm a great talent developer because he hasn't been. You can't say, well, I'll shake up the coaching staff and we'll get it fixed because he tried that. You can't say, we'll hit the portal and we'll crush it because he tried that last offseason. And so to me, I just used the Dan Mullen parallel a minute ago, but let's use another parallel from recent college football as well. In some ways, this part of it reminds me of Coach O. Coach O, last offseason, shook up his coaching staff for the second time since he won the national championship. Well... Two coaching staff shakeups, personnel is all yours. At some point, Coach O, you're the only constant, and it's kind of the same with Chris Mack. Now, in terms of what's next, I'll say a couple things. First of all, I think it's going to be very interesting how this all comes together and what the deal is. First of all, on the paper, on, on the paper, on paper, on paper, Chris Mack is owed a $12 million buyout. Now, it seems to me, reading reports, talking to people that I know, I don't think Chris Mack is going to get all $12 million of those dollars. The question becomes, does he get any 
of those $12 million because, again, there are NCAA rules that have been broken under his watch. They were minor, they were insignificant, but is that enough to mitigate his coaching contract? I don't know. I think it is worth monitoring. I think it's worth seeing how much money he gets. Does he get money at all? And does this become a prolonged legal battle? Again, if Chris Mack initiated things with the school, my gut feeling tells me that he probably is going to get some money so that the school can move on and he can move on as well. On top of that, what is especially interesting in this moment in time at Louisville, I don't know how much you guys and girls know this, Louisville currently has an interim AD and an interim school president. And so we'll talk about candidates in a minute, but the idea that we're just going to get go out and spend $50 million, and I just talked about it with Hubert Davis the other day, go, go write a blank check. How are you going to do that with an interim AD and an interim school president? Uh, who's calling the shots? And I also think that's what is going to make it tough to go get an elite coaching candidate because one... You still have an NCAA investigation from Rick Patino's time at Louisville, dating back to the Brian Bowen case in 2017. But then beyond that, you also, what coach is going to leave where they are if you don't have the AD and the president in place? Nobody wants to go work for a school president that they don't know. Nobody wants to work for an AD that they don't know who it's going to be or that that's going to change as soon as they get there. And so that is going to be worth considering going forward. Now, in terms of candidates, and I think what I'll do is I'll just kind of briefly gloss over them because I think I'll have some more details by Friday's episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And as always, you can always check the YouTube channel because obviously if there's any information, I will be sharing it on YouTube. But what I would say is this. I think it's easy to get enamored with big names. But first of all, remember, interim AD interim school president. So the idea that anybody has talked to, I find it hard to believe that an interim AD and an interim school president, when Chris Mack initiated this conversation, I find it very hard to believe that an interim AD is working the phones and on the phone with these elite coaching candidates. What I can say is I saw somebody from, uh, I believe it was the Louisville Courier Journal, Dominique Yates, sports writer with WLKY, he put out a list. Let me just say, I'm going to poke some holes in that list, okay? These are, this is what Dominique Yates said about the coaching search. Source tells me if Chris Mack is gone as Louisville's coach, here's some names of interest. Kenny Payne, Bruce Pearl, Will Wade, Nate Oates. Not saying there's interest from Louisville, but I'm told Pearl wants it badly. Payne also strong interest. I don't know Dominique Yates. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. This is not to tear apart his credibility. I'm sure he's a great reporter. I don't buy that list at all. Okay, let me explain why. First of all, Louisville, I mean, years of NCAA rules violations dating back to Katina Powell and the strippers in the dorm rooms. Then Brian Bowen. Then Chris Max minor violations. I find it hard to believe that Louisville will hire anybody with a history of NCAA rules violations. Remember, Chris Mack was suspended six games for minor violations because the school was so embarrassed that their name got dragged into the NCAA mess again. I find it very hard to believe. I don't believe that Will Wade is a candidate. Bruce Pearl is awesome. I don't know that they'll hire Bruce Pearl because, 
NCAA rules violations. Nate Oates, I say it all the time. If Nate Oates is hired this offseason, he will owe Alabama a $12 million buyout. Not saying it can't happen, but Louisville's probably going to have to play, pay Chris Mack something. Now they're going to pay Alabama $12 million just to talk to Nate Oates, and then you're probably going to have to pay him 5 or $6 million a year on top of that? I don't think they have the money to do that. And so to me, what I will tell you today, there is one name that I think makes a lot of sense. It is Kenny Payne, the former lead assistant coach at Kentucky, who most notably is a former Louisville player. Former Louisville player, was there during the championship years of the the 1980s. He is currently an assistant coach of the New York Knicks. I think to me, he is the guy that makes the most sense. I will tell you, I have heard from multiple people about some rumblings that Mick Cronin is not happy at UCLA, some with the COVID stuff, all this, all that. But again, Mick Cronin has a massive buyout as well. $9 million would be owed before March 31st of 2022. And so to me, I'll have some more names here probably by Friday's episode. I think there's some other good candidates at well as well, kind of in the mid-majors. You know, Matt McMahon is crushing it at Murray State. Preston Spradlin crushing it at Moorhead State. Two friends of the Air Tour Sports Podcast, by the way, I might add. But to me, Kenny Payne's the guy that makes sense. I mean, I, nothing's official. Like I said, I'm sure nobody has really talked to anybody. But what I would say is, if Will Wade is not coming to Louisville, okay? Will Wade is not coming to Louisville. I don't believe Bruce Pearl. You can take Bruce Pearl kind of given the last couple of years, and I'm not blaming Bruce Pearl for anything. I'm just saying the fact is Louisville has major NCAA issues from their past. I don't know that you can bring in Bruce Pearl. But this is an ongoing story. As I hear stuff, I will continue to tell you. One thing I will add, by the way, kind of started doing my homework on some of the coaching carousel stuff. Uh, First of all, I've heard of a lot of jobs that are potentially and very likely going to be open over the next couple weeks. Um, What I would say is this, is I believe that there are probably a lot more, how do I say this? There are probably a lot more coaching jobs that are going to be open than truly elite candidates to fill them. Almost like what happened in football, but football kind of worked itself out. But Louisville is open. Maryland is already open. I believe, this is what I'm hearing, I think Georgia will open with Tom Crean. I think South Carolina will probably open with Frank Martin. I'm starting to hear my boy Mike White might not survive in Florida. He's got to get to work. Um, Georgetown, Patrick Ewing's in a very precarious spot. So there's going to be some jobs that open up here. And because of it, uh, I just don't know. I just don't know. So that is all for this segment. But what I would say is my gut tells me that Kenny Payne will be the guy. And I will continue to monitor all of this as it continues to develop. That said, I think it's time to take a quick break. A lot of Louisville to lead the show. I cannot believe that Chris Mack is on his way out. I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our sponsor and your ladies' favorite sponsor. Yeah, I'm talking about Manscaped, the worldwide leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. Fellas, it's 2022. New Year's resolutions. And if you have New Year's resolutions, and we all do, 
One of them better be to clean up that mess downstairs. Let's be honest, you're a slob. It's disgusting. Well, here's the good news. You can join the millions of men worldwide and use Manscaped and Manscaped.com. And here's the best part. If you go to Manscaped.com, just because you listen to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, they love me over there at Manscaped. Use promo code Torres on Manscaped.com for any product that you order. You get 20% off plus free shipping. And ladies, as I always tell you, the promo code works for you too. Your man's embarrassed. Your man doesn't think he has a problem. We both know he has a problem, but he doesn't want to talk about his problem. You go to Manscaped.com. You can order the products yourself. With that said, let me tell you a little about some of what Manscaped has going on here in 2022. First of all, I have told you about the Performance Package 4.0 many times. It is a package of all Manscaped's best tools for what's going on below the belt. The Performance Package 4.0 includes the Lawnmower 4.0, which is their official, their best trimmer yet. It's an electric trimmer, advanced skin safe technology that reduces nicks and cuts down there. Plus, there is a 4K LED spotlight to help you get to all those hard to reach places. Fellas, we've all used the competitors. It's terrifying. It's scary. You need a band aid. Uh, it doesn't work out well. No problem with Manscaped, especially if you're using the Lawnmower 4.0. But that's not, here's the thing. The Performance Package 4.0 isn't just the Lawnmower 4.0. Beyond the Lawnmower 4.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. So after you give that shave, use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner. You're going to look good. You're going to smell good. And on top of all that, you got the Lawnmower 4.0. You got the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Manscaped is also going to give you a free travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs. It doesn't get better than that. That's the Performance Package 4.0. On top of that, I should also mention, fellas, I told you about this during the holidays. Manscaped also recently released their ultra-premium body wash. I am just telling you, bring it in the shower. Rub, rub a little bit of it on you. It's body wash. That's what you do with body wash. Use the Manscaped body wash. It is... It smells so good. I'm telling you, uh, literally, I brought it out on Christmas Eve at the Torres house, uh, showing the ladies, uh, look how good this smells. The fellas are saying, how do I order it? Well, here's how you order it. Go to manscaped.com. You use promo code Torres. Performance package 4.0. Beyond that, the brand new ultra premium body wash. It's going to leave you smelling great. Everything thanks to Manscaped and Manscaped.com. Again, Manscaped.com. Use promo code Torres. 20% off plus free shipping. Everything on the website if you use the promo code Torres. Fellas, ladies, promo code works both ways. I want to thank you. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped.com. Promo code Torres. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. And I do want to switch gears. I do want to talk about Really, the one remaining relevant story in the world of college football. And that is America's favorite college football soap opera as Caleb Williams turns. That's right, number one rated high school quarterback, class of 2021, until Quinn Ewers reclassified, but really the best quarterback in 2021, goes to Oklahoma, balls out, and we all know what happens from there. Lincoln Riley leaves, he plays in the bowl game, then decides to enter the transfer portal, and we've been kind of discussing this topic basically for the last, I don't know, like three, three and a half weeks since this kid entered the portal. At times, it looked like he was going to return to Oklahoma, then USC became the favorite, then we were wondering why USC had not gotten his commitment, and now, just since the last time I recorded on Monday, two new different reports 
on Caleb Williams that have come out. The first one came out of the state of Oklahoma. Dean Blevins, former Oklahoma football player who now works in the media, says that Caleb Williams is down to one of two schools, either either USC or LSU. Then the second report came on Tuesday afternoon, and it was a, I don't want to say bombshell, just like a a, a weird one, but Jerry Hamilton, very well-respected recruiting writer, put out a tweet that he believes that Wisconsin, the Badgers, Bucky the Badger, that Wisconsin could be in the mix for Caleb Williams. And I've seen some other people say this. Bruce Feldman, I heard, say it on a podcast. And there's a couple other reports. So two different new reports on Caleb Williams. One, he's down to USC and LSU. Two, uh, 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 not so fast. Don't forget about our old friends at Wisconsin. So let's get into it. Let's break it down. And let me explain why. Let me just say, I think one makes more sense than the other, and I still think, uh, you know, I have a lean as to where Caleb Williams will ultimately end up. Now, in terms of the USC versus LSU report, I do think it is always important to note where a report comes from, okay? It is important to note where this report came from, that Caleb Williams is down to just USC and LSU. It came from a reporter in the state of Oklahoma, a former Oklahoma football player named Dean Blevins. Why to me is that important? Well, I believe it gives it credibility because of one of, for for really a couple reasons. The first one is, I would assume that Dean Blevins, former Oklahoma football player, probably has some pretty good sourcing within the Oklahoma football community. I would assume that this report didn't come from a message board or a guy down at the gas station that knows this. I'm assuming that if Dean Blevins is going to put this out, it probably came from someone within the Oklahoma Athletic Department, if not the Oklahoma football facility. Beyond that, I would also say I, I, I believe this report uh, you know, more than really any other report for, for, for one simple reason. This guy works in Oklahoma. You think this guy wants to take daggers of saying that Caleb Williams is officially gone if he doesn't know what he's talking about in his home state for his alma mater? So to me, I do believe this report has credibility. Uh, it, it kind of goes with kind of a, a report that confirmed it that earlier this week, uh, I think it was over the course of the weekend, excuse me, Caleb Williams was seen officially cleaning out his apartment or his dorm room or wherever he was living and officially leaving campus. That one was more of a message board report. I don't know if that one was credible. I don't know if there's pictures. But I bring it up to say that there appears to be some legs to this, especially where it's coming from. Now, in terms of USC versus LSU, let me say this. I think when it comes to USC versus LSU, we have beaten the USC angle of this to death. We know what USC has to offer. We know that the the coach that he committed to out of high school, Lincoln Riley, went from Oklahoma to USC. We know that one of his closest friends, Mario Williams, who committed to Oklahoma to play with Caleb Williams, has left Oklahoma and gone to USC. We know that USC is cleaned up in the portal beyond recognition, adding Travis Dye from Oklahoma, adding Mario Williams, adding a bunch of other skill position guys. And so we don't really need to get into the USC element of this. But let's talk about LSU for a second, because I will say when Caleb Williams first entered the portal, it really felt like USC was the only school that made sense. And when I talked about it, I did say like, look, Uh, I could see LSU getting into the mix, but I just don't think Caleb Williams is going to go there because I don't believe they have a roster that's good enough to allow him to compete at the highest level. Well, a couple things have changed. One, we have learned that the number one factor reportedly, supposedly, according to Caleb Williams' dad, is NFL development. 
But the other thing that has changed is that while Lincoln Riley and USC have cleaned up in the transfer portal, Brian Kelly and LSU have cleaned up in the transfer portal as well. And so we spent a lot of time talking about Lincoln Riley and what he's done because it's big, it's flashy, it's bold. But a lot like, like Lincoln Riley at USC, Brian Kelly gets to LSU late. He has no ties to Louisiana, and he signs a very small high school recruiting class back in December. Because of it, he is forced to use the transfer portal. I suspect as he builds relationships in the state of Louisiana, he's brought in a very Louisiana-heavy coaching staff. I believe that as time goes on, Brian Kelly is going to have no problem signing the top guys in the state of Louisiana. But at the same time, he has been very aggressive in the portal. And as I record right now on Tuesday night, LSU actually has the top-ranked portal recruiting class in the country. Number two is ironically USC. Number one is LSU. But more importantly, they're players that can step in right away, players that can help LSU next year. And oh, by the way, players that can help Caleb Williams if he goes to LSU. Who has you LSU signed? First of all, they signed Miles Frazier, an offensive tackle from Florida International. Many of you guys don't know him. What I can tell you is this guy was as coveted as any non-quarterback in the portal all offseason. He was a freshman All-American at Florida International. He's a guy that many people believe have NFL potential. And when Butch Davis resigned or fired or however he left Florida International, this kid hits the portal and he was offered by everybody. He was offered by Florida State. He was offered, obviously, by LSU. He was offered by Auburn. He was offered by Texas A&M. Just think about that. Texas A&M brings in the number one recruiting class in the history of the recruiting rankings and still deems it necessary to offer this kid and bring him into play right away. But he chooses LSU, and he is a building block along an offensive line that needs to be rebuilt, but he could be the blindside protection that Caleb Williams needs if he chooses to go to LSU. Beyond that, LSU added Noah Kane, uh, a top running back from Penn State. And it is worth noting that LSU, for all their deficiencies this past season, a couple things. One, they really weren't that bad when you really look at it. Yes, they finished 6-6 six and six in the regular season, but... You know, they only lost to, to, to Alabama by six in Tuscaloosa. They took care of Florida. They took care of Texas A&M on the final day of the season. And most importantly, the skill position talent is elite. The skill position talent is elite in a year where I don't believe they had a very good quarterback in Max Johnson. No disrespect to Max Johnson, but Caleb Williams is a different caliber player. And most of their skill position guys are expected to come back. Kayshawn Boutte, one of my favorite names of college football, 38 catches expected to be back. Three wide receivers in the freshman class who all caught at least 28 balls. Brian Thomas Jr., Malik Neighbors, Jack Betch. That is a lot of talent in the LSU wide receiver room. And so you can see the scenario where Caleb Williams could be interested. And then beyond that, you could also see the scenario where he could step in right away and be the missing piece that gets them back into the top consideration in the SEC West. Not saying they're beating Bama next year. But you start to stack another elite portal class with who they have with Caleb Williams, with the portal class they just brought in. I mean, maybe by 2023, they're a contender. I think the other thing you have working in your favor, Brian Kelly wins, man. Like, Brian, we can crush Brian Kelly. We get this, we get that. This is the winningest coach in the history of Notre Dame football. And so to me, I'll be curious if he can close the deal on Caleb Williams, if they are as, in fact, interested as they claim to be couple factors that are working against LSU when it comes to LSU in this case. First of all, I do think it's worth noting um, that they did LSU, of course, if you look at it, they, they went out. A couple things. One, 
went out in the transfer portal. They re-signed one of their own quarterbacks in Miles Brennan. Now, I don't think that's a deal breaker for Caleb Williams, right? I don't think it's a deal breaker. Caleb Williams, oh my goodness, Miles Brennan. One, Miles Brennan can't stay healthy. But two, even when he's been on the field, it's not as though Caleb Williams couldn't, in theory, beat him out. But then on top of that, this is what would concern me if I was an LSU fan. We keep hearing that Caleb Williams, the number one concern, the number one interest in what they're doing and who they're going to pick is NFL development. Well, Brian Kelly isn't exact, but Brian Kelly's developed a lot of NFL players. Brian Kelly has developed very many quarterbacks. He's developed a lot of offensive linemen. He's developed more skill position players than you realize. Uh, Will Fuller, um, you know, Chase Claypool, some of the running backs this year on defense, Kyle Hamilton, defense previously, Jalen Smith, Jeremiah Wusu. But he hasn't really developed that quarterback. I know Ian Book. Uh, I know Ian Book. Uh, you know, was just at Notre Dame and he played for the Saints. But Sean Payton just retired. That's how. That's the deal with Ian Book. And so, I, I'm belaboring the point. But the point I'm trying to get to is, I, I would be concerned if I was an LSU fan trying to sell that NFL angle. And it's not as though Brian Kelly's coordinator and quarterback hires uh, are going to help the matter. As a coordinator, they hired Mike Denbrock, who spent the last few years at Cincinnati, also worked with Brian Kelly at Cincinnati. Not saying he's not a good coach, but if your goal is to be developed by the NFL and you're comparing some guy named Mike Denbrock to to, uh, Lincoln Riley at USC, good luck winning that battle. Quarterbacks coach came from Louisiana Tech. So I get the LSU stuff. I do wonder, though, if it is really about, if it is really about, um, Getting ready for the NFL, I do think that is a tough sell. Beyond that, <laughs> let's very, very, very quickly get to the Wisconsin element of this. As as I said, Jerry Hamilton, and I'm not discrediting the report because other people have said it, that Wisconsin is in the mix for Caleb Williams. And let me just say this. I'll believe that one when I see it, baby. And I think the argument is, I guess they run kind of a pro-style offense. They have the running backs. They have the defense. The one thing they're missing is a quarterback. But I'll be honest. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying it won't happen. That'll be the greatest segment of where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong ever if he signs with Wisconsin. But to me, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like what I've talked about a million times. It sounds like in a recruiting process, especially in the NIL era, sometimes you have to create the illusion of a recruitment even if one isn't there. And this isn't necessarily specific to the NIL era, but I talked about it a few weeks ago with Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers enters the transfer portal. Oh, there's this big report that, oh my goodness, Quinn Ewers, he, he could go to Texas, Texas A&M, T, T, Texas Tech. And I came on the very next show, I said, look, first of all, I have people in A&M. They're not recruiting Quinn Ewers. They're happy with the guys that they got. They just signed Max Johnson out of the portal, or they were in the process of recruiting Max Johnson. They like Connor Wegman, their freshman. They're not going after Quinn Ewers. And Quinn Ewers isn't going to Texas Tech. But Quinn Ewers can't just leave Ohio State and commit to Texas the next day. He has to appear as though, he has to make it appear as though there's a real recruitment and that this wasn't done, it wasn't a done deal weeks ago. It was the same with Amani Bates. He puts out a final three of Memphis, Oregon, and Michigan State. Michigan State hadn't even been in contact with him for months. This is on the basketball side. And so with the Caleb Williams thing, I do believe that in this NIL era, whatever Caleb Williams' family is waiting for, yes, I believe that Caleb Williams' dad is trying to pull a LeVar ball and create a story and create a narrative and create interest. 
to boost up that NIL price. And so the LSU thing, I can at least see. The Wisconsin thing, though, again, I could be 100% wrong, could have a completely wrong read of the room, but my guess is that that is just used to boost up the interest and excitement in his recruitment. And at the end of the day, I could go on and on and belabor the point. I do think when it's all said and done, at some point, Caleb Williams will be a member of the USC Trojans. And I'll be honest, I do think it is going to be somewhat soon that Caleb Williams will be a member of the USC Trojans because to participate in spring practice, Caleb Williams has to be enrolled by the end of this week at USC. So expect an announcement. I believe it would be no later than Monday that he would have to be enrolled in classes at USC. All right, everybody, I am back. Final segment today. First of all, good to be back, good to be back. Thank you again always for your support. But final segment of the show, uh, and it has been a wild show today, by the way. I mean, imagine if I told you three weeks ago on January 1st, oh, by the way, by the end of the month, Chris Mack's going to be out at Louisville, and Caleb Williams is going to be reported to Wisconsin. You would have had me reported to the insane asylum. But anyway, might still happen. Probably should be reported to the insane asylum sometimes. But with that said, let's wrap the show, and let's wrap with America's favorite segment, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. And by now, you know the concept. Took it from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Uh, But the concept's very straightforward. I come on this show every week, three times a week, and give a bunch of opinions, big, bold, strong. This is good. I told you. I said. But guess what? As much as I love to brag and gloat and pat myself on the back because I got a couple things right, I also get an awful lot wrong too. And so this segment is to keep me in check. This segment is to give me a little slap on the wrist and say, Torres, be better. You can't get everything right. Nobody bats a 1,000, and that's exactly what this segment is. I tell you what I got right. I tell you what I got wrong, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Let's start with where Aaron was right. Remember last week when the Dallas Cowboys lost in the NFL playoffs? And remember I said they have to – Mike McCarthy is not the answer. They have to go get a big, bold coach that is going to get that organization in line because ultimately with the Dallas Cowboys, what it comes down to is their Super Bowl window is essentially the next two seasons. They have C.D. Lamb, Trevon Diggs, and Micah Parsons, all really good players on rookie contracts, and if they do not win this in the next two years, they are not going to win it. Now, my suggestion at the time was – Go get Nick Saban. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Even you know, it's not going to happen. Period. But my the the broader point was, you need a new coach. Mike McCarthy isn't the guy. Why do I bring it up? Well, it's because on Tuesday, Sean Payton officially stepped away from the Saints, and all reports are that he is going to take the 2023 season, 2022 season off, and that he could return in 2023. And guess where he's being projected to go? The Dallas Cowboys. Had Chris Mack stuff not happened, I probably would have done a whole segment on this. But the bottom line is, look. We know Mike McCarthy isn't the answer. We know that the Super Bowl window is closing, and we know Jerry Jones is getting older. So whether it is writing that blank check to Nick Saban, which isn't going to happen, or whether what is much more realistic and what likely will happen is you go get Sean Payton either right now or after this coming season, Mike McCarthy is not the answer. I believe by week one of the 2023 season, Sean Payton will be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. But where Aaron was right, I told you Mike McCarthy ain't the answer. He ain't going to be there very much longer. Where Aaron was wrong. I remember doing this show when Chris Mack was hired at Louisville. And I said, look, this is the guy Louisville fans. Rick Pitino, he embarrassed you. He had off-the-court issues. He had an affair. He got caught doing this, NCAA rules. Chris Mack is the guy that is going to put pride and respect back in your program. 
First year I looked good. Second year I looked good. The last 24 months it has been a complete dumpster fire. And here's the bottom line, right? These big boy jobs, whether it is in football, whether it is in basketball, some guys are built for them and some guys aren't. John Calipari is built for the stage of Kentucky. You can like him. You can dislike him. You can, he has Kentucky in the title hunt every year, but more importantly, he knows how to handle the fans. He knows how to handle the media. He knows how to handle expectations. And Chris Mack, from the beginning, it just seems like as soon as things went sour, he did not know how to handle himself. Behind the scenes, I've heard stories that he's hard to work with, that he's not as you know well-connected in the coaching world, not well-respected. I don't want to say not well-respected, but that he has maybe not the best of reputations among other coaches, that he's not as plugged in as I thought, uh, that he's not certainly as dynamic of a recruiter as I thought. And really over the last year or so, as Louisville misses the NCAA tournament, the Dito Gaudio stuff happens, and now the reports that he could be out by the end of the day on Wednesday shows you just how crazy it got. So I thought this was going to be the guy. I didn't think he was going to be better than Calipari or better than Coach K. But I did think he could get Louisville back up to a level of respectability. Now in year four, before the season is over, it appears as though he is going to be gone. Where Aaron was right, and I talked about this a little bit on Monday's show when it came to the NFL stuff, but in the preseason, I had so many people telling me the Tennessee Titans, they're a Super Bowl contender. I said, no, they're not. What is the argument for the Tennessee Titans? Well, they, they traded for Julio Jones. Uh, since when is a 33-year-old wide receiver good enough to put you over the top? Well, they play in a bad division. Yeah, and who cares? Oregon football plays in the Pac-12. That doesn't mean they're going to win the college football playoff. I said from the beginning, you cannot win a Super Bowl if Ryan Tannehill is your quarterback. And I had Titans fans push back. Well, if you look at this stat and you look at that stat and his QBR and his this and that, I say he's not good enough. Look at the guys who win this thing. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, heck, for Pete's sake, Aaron Rodgers can't even get to the Super Bowl in the playoffs. You have to be able to beat good teams. You have to be able to have your quarterback put you on his back, and you have to have an elite guy that can lead you to victories in the playoffs once you get there. Look at what we saw in Kansas City on Sunday night. Josh Allen had an all-time performance, and it still wasn't enough. And you're telling me Ryan Tannehill is going to be able to go through two or three of those guys to win a Super Bowl? I never believed it. I don't know what the answer is in Tennessee, but if he is the quarterback, you are not winning a Super Bowl. I don't care how bad the division is. I don't care how many 33-year-old wide receivers you sign. The Tennessee Titans are not winning a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback. Where Aaron was wrong. Speaking of that Tennessee loss, Cincinnati win. Speaking of Cincinnati, you may have heard of Joe Burrow. And if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know that while I love the Joe Burrow story at LSU, I had my doubts on Joe Burrow coming into the NFL. Not that I didn't think Joe Burrow was going to be good, but what I kept saying around the draft and what I kept saying following the college football season, what I kept saying was, I said, look, Joe Burrow is a great story. And everybody wants to focus on the crazy story. He couldn't win the job at Ohio State. He goes to LSU and wins the national championship. But what did I say at the time? I said, yeah, he was successful at LSU. Yeah, it didn't work at Ohio State. But people forget that even in year one at LSU, he was not great. And so at the time, I kept saying, look, I hope he's an awesome NFL quarterback. I hope he's great. But this was a guy that had one great year in five years in college football. And was he that great or was just the talent so good around him? And was the play calling with Joe Brady so good around him that anybody could have been quarterback? Not saying anybody, but maybe anybody's not the right term. But is he really that good? Is he really going to be that guy? Uh, yeah, 
He was that guy, for sure. 348 yards on the road against Tennessee, sacked nine times, still did enough to get the win. Credit to Joe Burrow. Bengals in the AFC Championship game for the first time since 1988. Would love to know how many of you even remember that game, let alone were born for that. Where Aaron was right, let's stick with the NFL theme. We talked a lot of college basketball off the top. We talked some college football with Caleb Williams. Where Aaron was right, remember when Odell Beckham was traded to the Rams? And I said, look, I don't know if it's going to work, but I give the Rams so much credit. I give the Rams so much credit for going for it in a world where everybody wants to be conservative. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong. But one thing that I have never understood is why NFL teams continue to stockpile and you know draft picks as if they are you know canned goods during a, a hurricane you know canned goods during whatever um, you know. To me, when I look at the NFL draft, we all understand that 50% of these guys don't work, and so I understand if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. I understand if you're the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson refuses to come back. Yes, you have to build through the draft, but if you have a good team and you can give up draft picks to get elite players, you go ahead and do it. Well, what happened on Saturday? What happened on Sunday when Tampa be, uh, when, t- when the, the Rams beat Tampa? One, Matthew Stafford made plays. You can like him, you can dislike him, you can this, you can that. Matthew Stafford was that dude. More importantly, Von Miller on the defensive line was that dude. Pressure all day. Odell Beckham has been great. Um, you know, Jalen Ramsey, who they gave up a bunch of first-round picks for, has been phenomenal. I don't know if the Rams are winning the Super Bowl. They still have to go through San Francisco, who they just lost to, and they're either going to have to go through uh, Cincinnati or KC to win the Super Bowl. But I love when teams go for it. And when I when they traded for Odell, I said, look, I don't know if it's going to work, but I respect the heck out of them for pushing all their chips in the middle. That's exactly what they did. Now they are playing to go to their, third, their second Super Bowl in four seasons, where Aaron was wrong. Let's go back to Joe Burrow for a bit. I got a lot of stuff wrong on Joe Burrow. But remember last year around the NFL draft, there was all sorts of conversations about the quarterbacks. Should Zach Wilson go number two? Who goes number three? Is it Mac Jones? Is it Trey Lance? Is it Justin Fields? What? All this stuff. But outside of the quarterbacks, the biggest question was this. Does Cincinnati draft the offensive lineman to protect Joe Burrow, or do they go get his college teammate Jamar Chase, who he clearly wants? And I said, look, Joe Burrow's a great player. I respect him. Obviously, again, I was already wrong on Joe Burrow by the end of year one. But he just suffered a major knee injury. The Bengals could not block for him. And if you don't get him an offensive lineman, offensive line help, he's going to get killed back there. And it doesn't matter how good the receiving core is. Well, apparently I was wrong. They went with Jamar Chase. They took the guy that Joe Burrow clearly wanted. And now Jamar Chase might be the most dynamic and exciting young player in the NFL. And so I don't know if the Bengals are going to win this weekend. I'll make my picks on Friday's show. But I said... I don't know if the the right decision is to trust your quarterback and go with the wide receiver. They do. Jamar Chase might be the most exciting young player in the NFL. All right. I think that's it for this episode of the Aerator Sports Podcast. Like I said, my goodness, what a show. A lot of ground covered. Chris Mack out. Caleb Williams to Wisconsin, probably not, but what a quirky story. Uh, And of course, a lot of other good stuff. And so I appreciate you guys and girls listening so much. And it is time for me to get out of here. Before we get out of here, want to remind you, make sure that you're subscribed. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. At Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. 
Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Shout out to Caleb Williams, future Wisconsin Badger. What are we even doing here, Caleb Williams dad? Just get him to USC already. I'll be back on Friday. Have a great week, guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.